don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to our podcast. True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And I'm bringing you part two of Edmund Kemper. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect it to be two parts, so hopefully you guys don't mind. Um, but it, the first part got a little long, so we decided to cut it into two. For sure. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything to say, Michelle, before we start? Nope. Let's just go right in. <laughs> okay. So... A little recap, Edmund Kemper was a serial killer in the 1970s in Santa Cruz, California. Um, he killed his first victim when he was 15, which was his grandparents, his father's parents. His first victims. Victims, plural, I guess. Um, you guess, it's two people. Well, first I said victim, but it was victims. <laughs> anyway... I'm half asleep today, guys, so if I don't sound energetic, it's because I'm not. Also, I'm keeping her in check, don't worry. <laughs> um, what else can we add? So, he murdered his grandparents when he was 15. He was put in a mental institution until he was 21 and then released. He was not convicted of the murders because they thought that at that age, he didn't have the mental capacity to commit those crimes mm -hmm. like knowingly yep so he was let out when he was 21 years old and then um he did he have to go live with his mom again he went and lived with his mom even though they told him not to because his mom was like the root of his anger mm -hmm. he his whole younger life was trying to get away from his mom but he went and lived with her anyway yep and um he killed Marianne and Anita. Mm-hmm. So, he started picking up hitchhikers, and that's how he was getting his victims. In his Ford Galaxy. In his Ford Galaxy. Which, which was a, look it up. It's actually kind of a nice car. He bought it. He got money from a settlement because he was in a car accident mm -hmm. and got hurt. So, he got, like, a really huge settlement and bought his car. Now, he's driving it around, picking up hitchhikers, and... Where I left off, I think he had killed his grandparents, Marianne. Anita and Marianne. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what order they were in. I think it was Aiko Ku next. She was 15. He, had, mm -hmm. he She got locked in the car, but he convinced her to let him back in. Yes. So his grandparents, Anita, Marianne, Aiko Ku, and then we left off with cindy yep and he was going to the police bar don't forget yes he would hang out at a bar called the jury room with the police officers and they would confide in him and talk about you know all these girls that were going missing and he got off knowing that he was the one committing the murders and they were trying to figure out who it was and they were talking to him about it mm -hmm. so that's where we left off last time so we're just gonna pick 
pick right up on February 5th, 1973. Okay. Um, so Ed and his mother got into a heated argument. So he left the house to search for more possible victims. That's how he released his anger was whenever him and his mom would get into arguments, he would leave and then go commit murders. So at this time, there was already suspicion that there was a serial killer in the area that was targeting college students. So students were advised to accept rides only from cars that had a university sticker on them. Well, his mom worked at the university. Right. So Kemper was able to get one of these stickers from his mother since she worked there. So he had a sticker on his car. Mm Mm-hmm. So, while he was driving around looking for potential victims, he picked up 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Helen Liu on campus. (laughs) Alice had dreams of becoming a teacher, but had recently been more interested in Oriental studies. Quote, I want to change the world through government. I want to be involved with the core of people, and I can do both by being a political science teacher, end quote. And that was a quote from Alice that they got from her school records. She was very interested in people and cared about all kinds of people. She understood about coming from a good home like hers and going to a good school and the difference it makes for those who don't have the same advantages. Um, I couldn't find any information on Rosalind. Is it Rosalind or Rosalind? Is it Rosalind or Rosalind? It might be Rosalind. I don't... I'm not sure. I feel like it could be pronounced as It could be both, yeah. So, according to Edmund, Rosalind or Rosalind? I'll just say Rosalind. I don't know why, but that just sounds more right to me. Okay. So, Rosalind got in his car first. And Alice hesitated, but Rosalind told her everything would be okay, so she got in. It's not her fault, guys. She just... Some people just don't have that, like... She was like, it's okay, you just come on. Yeah, some people are just young, I feel like, and they don't have that gut. Yeah, Yeah. they're naive, and they don't trust their gut. You gotta Mm -hmm. trust your gut, bro. Yeah. And I know when you have anxiety, it's also hard to trust your gut because you're like, "Do am I having anxiety right now or is my gut really trying to tell me something? Right. It's hard. Yeah. So they got in the car, drove around for a while like he usually does. Mm-hmm. Then he pulled over and first he fatally shot Rosalind and then he shot Alice with his pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. He brought them back to his mother's house, but this time... He beheaded them in his car and carried the headless bodies into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with them. Ugh. Yeah. He then dismembered the bodies and removed the bullets to prevent identification of the weapon and discarded their remains the next morning. This was something else he did in his previous murders, was make sure there was no bullets left in their bodies so they couldn't trace back to the murder weapon which is crazy because how long did it take you to remove those freaking bullets i don't know and what i mean he was dismembering the bodies yeah i know it's just like it's just disgusting it's gross some of the remains were found at eden canyon a week later and more of the remains were found near a highway the following march In an interview, he was asked why he decapitated his victims. 
He said, quote, The head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Yikes. Yeah. The scary thing about him, I think, is that he was he had such a high IQ. He was so smart. Mm-hmm. And he knew what he was doing. And mm-hmm. he knew how to do it. That's why they couldn't find him. Yeah. So on April 20th, 1973, 52-year-old Clarnell Strandberg, which was Edmund's mother, returned home from a party, waking up Edmund. So while she was in bed reading a book, she noticed Ed came into her room and said, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. He replied, no, good night. And he went to bed. Hmm. He waited for her to fall asleep. And then once she did, he re-entered her room and bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and slit her throat open with a pin knife. He said, no, I don't want to talk. But I do want to do this. Right. Jesus. He decapitated her and engaged in a ruchimato with her severed head before he used it as a dartboard. And if you don't remember what that is, a ruchimato, it's where... Do you have to remind us? (laughs) Well... I know, I'm just... Go ahead. I was just saying. It's where someone inserts their penis into somebody else's mouth, thrusting it forcefully in their mouth with the purpose of engaging the gag reflex. Just so you know. Pretty gross. So he was using her head as a dartboard. Like, literally with darts. Kemper stated that he, quote, put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour and threw darts at it, end quote, and ultimately smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and larynx, 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 mm-hmm. and put it in the garbage disposal. The garbage disposal couldn't break down the tough vocal cords, and then it ejected back into the sink. Ugh, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm a puke right now. <laughs> he said, quote, that seemed appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years, end quote. That's just... So, Edmund put his mother's mutilated corpse in a closet and went to drink at a nearby bar. He just left her and went to the bar to drink. When he got back from the bar, he called up his mom's friend, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor or Sally Hallett, um, which was his mom's best friend, Right. invited her to have dinner and watch a movie. Oh. That's kind of weird to me. A little bit hey, mom's friend, you want to come over and have dinner with me and watch a movie? After I just killed your best friend. So when she arrived, Ed strangled her to death to create a cover story that her and his mother had went away on vacation together. So, I don't know. I don't, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see where he's, where, where he's coming from, but I don't at the same time. So he put her body in a closet and then he left a note to the police. Mm-hmm. It said, quote, 
approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer any more at the hands of this horrible, quote, murderous butcher. It was quick asleep the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do, end quote. After he wrote the note, he fled the scene in Sally's car, driving nonstop to Pueblo, Colorado. Wow. That's a long drive. Seriously. From California. Mm-hmm. A thousand miles. That's, in- that's Over insane. Over a thousand miles. He had to take caffeine pills so he could stay awake. And he only stopped to fill up his, to get gas. He didn't that's stop crazy. to rest. That's a long drive. Mm-hmm. He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in the car because he believed that he was the target of an active manhunt. When in reality, they didn't even know, they didn't even know it was him. Yeah. After not hearing anything on the news or radio about the murder of his mother and her best friend, Edmund decided to go to a phone booth and call the police and confess to their murders. He said, quote, Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it off, end quote. But the police didn't think that he was serious and told him to call back later. They were like, uh, we don't believe you. Call us later and we'll talk about it again. Wow. Yeah. So he waited some time and called back. Um, several hours. It had been several hours mm-hmm. at this time. He called again and asked to speak to a specific officer that he knew personally. Okay. He told the officer what he had done to his mother and her friend and waited there for police to arrive and take him into custody. Okay. When he was arrested, he also confessed to the murders of the six college students as well. Gotcha. When he was asked why he turned himself in... He said, quote, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. Which he had said that. I had mentioned that. Okay. A minute ago. So, Edmund Kemper was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder on wow. May 7th, 1973. So that was the six college students, his mother, and her best friend. Mm-hmm. He did kill his grandparents before, but he wasn't indicted on those murders. Gotcha. So due to his confession, his only option was to plead guilty by reason of insanity to the charges. Okay. Uh, Kemper tried twice to commit suicide while he was in custody. His trial went ahead on October 23, 1973. Three psychiatrists found Edmund to be legally sane. So he tried to plead guilty by insanity. Yeah. But he was That's not. usually what they do anyways. Yes. But when mm-hmm. you're just sick in the head, you're just mm-hmm. you're sick just... in the head like that. Right. One of the psychiatrists, Dr. Joel Fort, investigated his records from when he was younger and the diagnosis that he was 
when Psychotic was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, he also interviewed Edmund and got him to tell him more details of his crimes. According to Joe Fort, Edmund told him that he would slice flesh from the legs of his victims and then cook it and ate the pieces of flesh in a casserole. Don't even disrespect casseroles like that. That is disrespectful. Okay, there are some good-ass casseroles out there, and you're going to disrespect it? Mm-hmm. No. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> So... At that point, he was admitting to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then later, he, Edmund said that that was never true. He never ate a piece of the flesh. So he, so he disrespected a casserole like that, and then he retracted his statement. First of all, you're disgusting because you so thought I, of it. I don't think we really know if that's true or not. Because yeah. first he said he did, and then he said he didn't. Well, he, he dismembered all their bodies, right? Yeah. Did they ever find the bodies? Yeah, but they were found in, like, the, some were found in, like, the oceans and stuff. So, some beaches. of their meat might have, the, the flesh, not meat, I don't want to call it meat, the flesh might have, like, it, came um, off or whatever. It's called, disintegrated I, can't, or, I can't remember what it's called. It's just when flesh or skin is in the water for a while and it just, like, melts away, like, it like, not even melts away, it just, like, falls off. Hmm. I didn't know that. I can't remember That's what gross. it's called. But anyways. But so they never really knew if there was like pieces of flesh missing. It was too hard to tell. Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Fort determined that Edmund was fully cognizant and said that he enjoyed the idea of him being labeled a murderer. Which makes total sense. Yeah. Um, California used the natin standard okay i think that's how you pronounce that mm-hmm. um this states that for a defendant to establish a defense on the ground of insanity it must be clearly pr- proved that at the time of the committing of the act the part accused was laboring under such a defect of reason from disease of mind and not to know the nature and quality of the act he was doing or if he did know it that he did not know what he was doing was wrong. Okay. So, in order for him to be insane, mm-hmm. he would have to, at the time of committing the murder, know that what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that would make him sane. If he didn't know that it was wrong, it would make him insane. Yeah. Which he did know was wrong. So, he's sane. So, he is sane. Okay. Um. And he wasn't... He was in his... He wasn't in, like, a mentally, like, crazy state of mind. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to word it other than what I looked up and the definition says. I gotcha. It makes sense. Okay. So, he knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's why he, he was declared sane. Yeah. On November 1st, Kemper took the stand. He said that he killed the victims, quote, for myself, like possessions. He also said that there were two personalities in his body. And when the killer personality took over, it was like blacking out. That's what they always say. But he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Okay. Before. Yeah, I remember that. When he was 15 and he was in um, the institution. But they also, back... 
in this time <clears throat> they kind of use schizophrenia as like a broad term mm-hmm. like oh if you did this you had schizophrenia oh sometimes they even called anxiety schizophrenia i think even now it was like a lot under that umbrella i think schizophrenia is a less broad term now than what it was back then yeah we know a lot more like mm-hmm. bipolar or borderline dis- personality or anxiety or depression mm-hmm. a lot of those fell under the umbrella of schizophrenia at this time so he could have had something completely different that wasn't actually schizophrenia it could have been a borderline personality disorder Mm -hmm. it could have been and i'm not saying that people that have those mental disorders all kill somebody i'm just saying like it could have been a lot of different things but Mm -hmm. it was just under that umbrella of schizophrenia right i see what you're saying um so on november 8th 1973 the jury deliberated for five hours before declaring edmund kemper sane and guilty on all eight counts of murder he requested the death penalty personally he wanted the death penalty of course he did because he didn't want to suffer he wanted quote death by torture of course he did because he wanted to get off if you remember from the first episode when he was a child Mm -hmm. he used to play games with his sisters yeah and one of them was called electric chair right where he would pretend like he was being executed by electric electric Mm -hmm. chair which was i think in this time which i think that was how they did the death penalty back then yeah I'm not really sure. I think there was different ways. Like, um... I know, I think now it's not common anymore. I don't know if they still got hung in 1970. No. I don't think they still got hung. Or, uh, what's the other one? Where they tie them up to a pole and then, like, multiple people shoot them at one time. Oh, that was a thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think now, I know, I'm well, I think in most states the death penalty isn't a thing anymore, but I think where it is um still legal they just do it by injection oh yeah they don't i don't think they do do anything anything. crazy now but there was one where they would tie you up to a pole and then multiple people would shoot at you but that's nuts i didn't i want to say it's like death by i can't remember but anyways if you know and you're screaming at us right now what it's called sorry (laughs) because i don't can't think of what it's called no um so, but capital pu- capital punishment wasn't allowed at this time. Okay. So, instead, he got seven years to life for each of the eight victims. Wow. And life in prison is not life in prison. It's like... Seven f- years to life. It's like, I think life, like when you hear the term, you get like life in prison. I think it's like 50 years or something like that. Is it 50? Yeah. It's, I thought it was 80. I don't know why. It's not like life, like for the rest of your yeah. life. You know how people get like, like he got seven years to life for each of his eight victims so mm-hmm. say he gets life for all eight victims how do you mm-hmm. serve eight lives well yeah well, that's 50 times or whatever it is but he probably wouldn't be able to apply for parole you know what i mean um i don't know if i put it in here or not i think he tried to oh really yes. i was just saying if you have eight life sentences can you even apply for parole i think it depends okay um so, Edmund Kemper was sentenced to serve his time at the California Medical Facility in Vacaville. Okay. Edmund was incarcerated in the same prison block as Charles Manson oh. and Herbert Mullen, who were both serial killers. Look out 
for Charles Manson in the next few months. And we're going to cover him. And I'll be covering Herbert Mullen next week. Yep. So if you don't know who he is, you're going to find out. (laughs) Um, Edmund Kemper and Herbert Mullen actually became friends. Really? Yeah, because they committed their murders at the same time in the same area. Oh, bro. You killed somebody in that town? I did too. Yeah, oh my God, that's no. basically how it was. Jeez. So, like, I'll get in, I'll get more into it next week when I talk about Herbert Mullen. But mm-hmm. when police were trying to figure out who was killing these people, it mm-hmm. was really hard because there was all these bodies that were showing up. And Herbert Mullen, when he killed his victims, it wasn't like he didn't kill his victims in the same way like Edmund. Edmund yeah, Cooper they had did. different like uh, he, he didn't have like stuff. a routine. Yeah, he killed his victims in all kinds of different ways mm-hmm. so they were finding all of these people that had been murdered and they were like what the heck so they mm-hmm. thought it was just one person killing these people yeah but then it didn't match up right that's why they couldn't find out anything okay because it was two people not just one gotcha um kemper said that mullen was quote just a cold-blooded killer killing everybody he saw for no good reason end quote he also manipulated and physically intimidated Mullen. Hmm. Edmund Kemper was six feet, nine inches tall. Oh, yeah. Herbert Mullen was five feet, nine inches tall. So a whole foot shorter. Yeah. Um, Edmund said, quote, Mullen had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw water on him to shut him up. Then when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. End quote. Weird. Yeah, this dude is in. I mean, insane. Smart, but insane. He uses smart because he's using like psychology to figure out other people and how to manipulate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which he learned whenever he was fifteen in the Mm -hmm. institution. Um. And so, Edmund is still in this facility to this day. Really? He has been I serving didn't know that. his time in the same facility today. Well, how old is he? Do you know? I don't know. He is still alive, though. Wow. He was born in... Let me go back up to the top. He was born in 1948. And this was in 1973? 76? So, whatever that is. 73 years old. Mm-hmm. Dang. Still in the same place. That's nuts. I actually did not know that. So he willingly participated in many interviews and reports with um, law enforcement officials. Gotcha. You can find a lot of them on, like, YouTube or... There's a series on Netflix called Mindhunter mm-hmm. that... um. It's kind of based off him where they use him to help, like, police officers and investigators learn about how a serial killer's mind works. Mm-hmm. So, they've learned a lot of stuff from him. Gotcha. Before long, he was even ma- meeting with the FBI to discuss his heinous crimes and why he committed them. Edmund's state of mind during his murders was integral to law enforcement's understanding of how serial killers operate. So they were able to learn from him. Yeah, I just feel like every serial killer 
is, is different. so different. Yeah. I mean, they're alike in some ways, <laughs> but they're so different as to why they committed their crimes, how they commit their crimes, you know? I feel like um, with most serial killers, they're not willing to talk to law enforcement about their murders because they don't want to think that what they did was wrong. Yeah. But he knew, you know, like what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And he knew, he knows he has to face his consequences mm-hmm. and that there's nothing he can do to change it. So he's mm-hmm. going to comply. Yeah. And maybe use it to help some people in the future. But he's still like a piece of shit that killed Oh, a bunch for people, sure. So I'm just saying. Whatever. Um, he said, quote, there's somebody out there that is watching this and hasn't done that, hasn't killed people and wants to, and rages inside and struggles with that feeling or is so sure that they have it under control. They need to talk to somebody about it. Trust somebody enough to sit down and talk about something that isn't a crime. Thinking thinking that it isn't a crime. Doing it isn't just a crime. It's a terrible thing. It doesn't know when to quit, and it can't be stopped easily once it starts. End quote. This was said in... Um, at the end of his interview for murder, no apparent motive. Okay. Um, which the, the fact that he thinks that way mm-hmm. is like, like wants to help people. Like yeah. if, if they're like contemplating murder, mm-hmm. telling them to go talk to somebody about it. Also, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, but also I think he realizes in the 1970s. They didn't really have therapy mm-hmm. like we have now. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're crazy? We're going to put you in a mental asylum so you can be treated like garbage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, you're not listening to your parents? Oh, you must, like, have some type of mental disorder. We're going to take you to the asylum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like he knows now that you can go get help. It is a thing to be able to go get help mm-hmm. from whatever type of therapy you need. Right. And also, it's confidential as well. I don't know how confidential it was in 1970s. Yeah, I don't know. You know, because they would tell... I think they would tell parents and stuff what was going on in a therapy. But I just feel like maybe don't tell them everything unless it's something that they really need to know. Like, they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. they're contemplating murder. I yeah. think the parents should know that. Mm-hmm. You know? But I just feel like he realizes now, you can go get help if you need a Right. But it is really expensive, too. Just mm-hmm. double-sided, you know, double-edged sword there. Right. So, in one prison interview, he was asked how he felt when he sees an attractive woman. And he responded with, one side says, I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side says, I wonder how her head would look on a stick. Interesting. And that's where he is sick in the head. Yep. In recent years, he was has been known as the co-ed killer. Um, he has developed a reputation as a model prisoner. I'm not surprised about that. Mm-mm. When he was in the institution, when he was younger, he was like, mm-hmm. they said he was like a great kid when he was yeah. in there. He just needed like some sort of structure mm-hmm. and people to protect him from himself. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's yeah. not a piece of shit. He's a million times a piece of shit, but like. He was dealt the know. wrong hand. Yeah. So, he is now in charge of scheduling other inmates' appointments with psychiatrists 
and has spent over 5,000 hours narrating audiobooks. Which scares me because I listen to audiobooks quite often, and what if I listen to one that he narrated? If you have listened to Dune or Star Wars, um, that was him. Nope, haven't listened to those. I'm clear. Okay. (laughs) That's just a couple that he's done that I could find. Some people who knew Edmund personally have doubts that he has changed at all and have said that he is a complete psychopath or sociopath, sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, he basically admitted in an interview when he looks at an attractive woman, he wants to date her or he wants to know what her head looks like on a stick. So, no, he has not changed. He hasn't even said no. that he has changed, which is very surprising because a lot of them try oh, to say they've changed and to try lesson. to get out. Yeah. But he just seems, like, pretty content for the most part. Mm-hmm. And at least he can admit that what he thinks, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, why would you even doubt that he has changed if yeah. he hasn't said he has? Yeah. Another person said he could look you straight in the eye telling you how sorry he is for everything he did while at the same time plotting your demise and you'd never even have a clue. Yes, he's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you expect? So, he actually was eligible for parole in 1979 and was denied that year. And um, at his parole hearings in 1980, 1981, and 1982, he was all all denied. Good. He needs to stay in there. He clearly said, like, he's never going to get better. Yeah. He was also denied parole at a hearing in 1988 where he said... Society is not ready in any shape or form for me. I can't fault them for that. He was denied parole over and over again. In 1991, 1994, he waived his hearings in 1997 and 2002, so he didn't even try. Yeah. And was denied again in 2007. Prosecutor Simmons said, we don't care how much of a model prisoner he is because of the enormity of his crimes. Also, he's been in prison since the 1970s. Yeah, I don't Him think Him getting out right now not in 2022. Mm-mm. He wouldn't he know what to do. He wouldn't know what to do. And that's what happens to a lot of people that are in prison over time. They get out and the whole world has changed. Yeah. They and have no idea what it's like out here. Yeah. And then they like don't have any structure they have to work for their food. Mm-hmm. It's totally different ball game out here than it is in prison. Mm-hmm. They have a set schedule every day. Especially since it's been this many 50, years. 50 yeah. years? 40 something, something like that. Years? Yeah, like I don't think yeah. he would survive out here regardless. Mm-mm. Even if he is 73, I feel like he that could would be easily hard to... still commit a crime though. Yeah. I mean, he, he could you never know. He could find somebody that would want to mm-hmm. You think these people are out here writing him letters in prison? He's There's a, n- weird women out there, okay, yeah. that write serial killers letters. And I think you're sick. I'm sorry. I'm not one to judge, but I just think that's fucking sick. It's weird. It's sick. You should not be idolizing somebody that no. killed people, okay? I don't care. I'm not a judgmental person, but that is just crossing a line that I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. Because... It's just gross, but regardless, there, I'm sure there's people out there that would want to be his, quote, understudy, you oh, know, yeah. like, Learn things he does from not him. need to get out. Mm-mm. That would be interesting. Write him a letter and be like, hey, we have a podcast, we want some insight on, you know, 
Oh, hell no. I don't even want any contact. I do not um, claim any negative energy. <laughs> like you see the TikTok comments. Yeah. But seriously, though, I wouldn't even want to ride him. I don't even want to give him the satisfaction. I would be if terrified. you want to ride him, Kirsten, no, I would go be terrified. ahead. I'm I don't just, even want to touch anything I that he sends back, I would be terrified, but it would, it would, it's, it's a cool concept. For sure. But I'm not saying I would be that, terrified to write him. I think it would be really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to know my name. No. Nope. Or who I am. Or what nope. kind of podcast I have. What if he gets out? <laughs> and he fucking comes and finds us. Okay? He listens to this episode. Edmund, I wonder, please can don't. They, can they listen to podcasts? Oh, I'm prison? sure they do. Oh, fuck. I hope he doesn't listen to this. I'm scared now. Anyway. Don't um, say that. <laughs> that gives him more satisfaction. Fuck you, Ed Kemper, if you're listening to this. We don't give a fuck. That might piss him off too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just continue. All right. <laughs> he was wait. He waived his hearing in 2012 again, and then was denied parole again in 2017. Mm-hmm. The year we graduated. The next year, he will be eligible for another hearing as 2024. He said he waived some of his parole hearings because he was happy in jail. Which I'm again, I'm not surprised. He likes the structure, I think, and just. But it seems like he's not given up. He is, like, determined to be given parole. He keeps keeps on and keeps on. Unless, unless like, it's mandatory. Not mandatory, but, like, after so many years, you're like, well, that's sweet. We got to go to another parole hearing, see if you're eligible yeah. for parole. Or he's like, oh, he's just so old. Yeah. He's one of the most famous serial killers. Do not let mm-hmm. this man out. Do not be that guy. Yeah, don't okay? be that guy. Okay. But that is the end of my couple episodes on Edmund Kemper. I feel really bad. It was really good. We did some good research. I couldn't find much on the victims, but it was a long long time ago, and the victims were young, so the families, you know, didn't want their information out there. Yeah, which is understandable for Mm -hmm. sure. I just wanted it to be more centered around the victims, which I don't see a lot when it comes to serial killers, and it's very sad. Yeah, I feel like it's because a lot of the serial killers are from... Like, a lot of the ones that are big are mm-hmm. from the 1970s. I was thinking about that, that that the other day. Like, all of the serial killers that mm-hmm. we know of are from, like, you know, 30-plus years ago. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, I wonder, of course there's serial killers that are active right now. We just don't right. know it. So, it'll be, like, not interesting, but, mm-hmm. like, scary to think that in 20 years... They'll be like, oh, there was a serial killer in the 2020s. Right. And we'll be like, well, you didn't even know. Um, I just looked something up because I was curious. And I said, how many serial killers are there in America? Because we're an American podcast, obviously. Um, And it says, at any one time, it's believed that there are 25 to 50 active serial killers lurking in the dark corners of the USA. Yeah, see, that's terrifying. And that's just, like one for each state almost. That's like terrifying to me. And it says, there was another one that says, um, this is from November 22nd, 2021. This will put the number of unidentified serial killers operating in the U.S. somewhere around 2,100. So that's a huge difference. Well, that's, that's unidentified of all time. Mm-hmm. It says, however, former police detective and author of a dozen books on serial murder, Michael Arntfield, suspects that number to be closer to double than that. Damn. Around 4,000 currently active serial killers. Oh. Yeah. Not, like, over time. 
like currently active. Just think about all the people in the 1970s that didn't get caught. We didn't have yeah. a lot of DNA or mm-hmm. anything. And there's probably how- so many people that are going to their deathbeds confessing to murdering people. Like there still are. Yeah. And if Edmund hadn't killed his mom, he probably would have got away with it. Oh, for sure. They would not have found him. He probably would have kept killing people too. And got would they ever find it. him? No. Who knows? It might be like, um, what's that one serial killer that just got uh, caught because of DNA evidence? It's not the Zodiac Killer, because he it's has never been Night caught, Stalker, right? It's not the Night Stalker, is it? No, the Zodiac Killer has never been caught. We don't know who that is. No, because he left that one last letter, and nobody's ever, ever been able to But I've seen things where they think the Zodiac Killer, at his oh, age, yeah. and the time of his murders, they think he's probably dead by now. Well, they do. Yeah, they think they might know who the Zodiac Killer is, but... Who is that serial killer? It's not the Night Stalker, is it? No, no, that's uh, he got Richard Ramirez pretty or quick. whatever his name is. That's his name, right? Yeah, Richard yeah. Ramirez. Yeah. Golden State Killer. That's oh, who was just caught. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't remember what it was called. I don't know much about that one. Maybe I should do an episode on it then since you mm-hmm. don't know much about it. Yeah. We're trying to split serial killers evenly around here. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad because I'm doing two serial killers for my time to do true crime this time. And I wanted to do a serial killer and focus on a victim. Mm-hmm. But I feel like since I'm doing Edmund Kemper and Herbert Mullen was kind of they were associated with so each yeah. other. So I, I wanted to like put them together. Mm-hmm. So, next time I do true crime, I will do, um, focus more on victims. Okay. Alright, guys. Well, go subscribe to our Patreon if you haven't already. The link will be uh, in the show notes. Yep. Always. Well, see you next time. Alright. Bye.